welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. God. Amen. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse, or or reading verse 33. Amen. Luke writes and says, uh, this is Peter preaching, then says, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. Look at somebody and say this, that you can see and that you can hear. I'm so glad I can see and hear that God's in this place. Amen. Don't get scared, but go to Revelations 22 and verse 1. Amen. Revelations 22 and 1. Don't don't go for the bomb shelter or the dried beans and rice. Amen. Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It ought to make us excited. Amen. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. He showed me, everybody say, a pure river. Say, a pure river of water, of life. Amen. Clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Uh, Revelations 22 and 17 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, And let him that heareth say, And let him that is a thirst, And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. John 7 and 37 says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. Stood and cried. That means he lifted his voice and declared, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Romans 8 and 11. Romans 8 and 11. Paul writes and says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you amen now I'm going to preach on the resurrection today I'm going to probably come at it from a little bit of a different angle but we're going to preach about the resurrection today amen I love uh, how Paul said that if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And this is my annual uh, reminder and public service announcement that God didn't die. Jesus laid down his 
temporal body in a grave for three days. We call it the incubator, call it the womb of the earth. And then that body was resurrected, but God didn't die. The body of Christ died, but God didn't. Matter of fact, that same spirit that was in Christ went to hell and preached to the realm of the dead for three days and three nights. Amen. Now, now I know everybody, you know, celebrates Good Friday, but he was crucified on a Thursday. I remember they always talk about it. it's, it's Good Friday. He, and I mean, I'm not the smartest kid. And I kept going Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> it's Thursday. And he spent three days amen and declaring um, declaring that Messiah had come amen and so uh, that's what we celebrate today that God rose up Jesus from the dead I can take you today well if I had a plane and unlimited fuel I could take you to a grave where Muhammad lays and to the shrine where Buddha's bones lay I could take you to the temple where they placed Herr Krishna, I could take you to the place where Lenin's body still lies in state. Amen. But there is only one that has ever come who defeated death, and his grave is empty. Amen. I want to preach to you this afternoon for just a little while. The kingdom is already here. The kingdom is is already here and let's pray together lord jesus we thank you today for your wonderful presence that is in this place for the great anointing that we feel for the strength of your presence and your spirit that is in the house would you speak to us one more time by your great word i pray lord that that any sickness would be healed that any issue would be revoked by the power of the holy ghost and Lord, that again, you would be glorified, oh God, as we today remember this day of resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. And would you just go ahead and give the Lord one more hand clap of praise because you know he's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can be seated while you're seated. Look at somebody and say, he is alive. Amen. We read that that the Holy Ghost, everybody say the Holy Ghost. Now, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, uh, same thing. Um, um, and some people kind of get, I know some folks kind of get caught up on that. What's the Holy Spirit? And some will say, no, it's the, it's the same thing. It's, it's the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God. It's all the same thing. Uh, we read in Romans 8 that the Holy Ghost is the same Spirit that resurrected the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now let let me let me drill down on this uh, because that Holy Ghost that raised up the body of Jesus Christ is God. It's not a different person of God. It is God. It was God revealed to us in the flesh. For Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Amen. Now, we read about rivers, and we read about the throne, uh, and we talked about waters flowing out of our belly. And when the Bible associates something spiritual with something else, it's because it is intended to be very significant to the reader 
and to the believer. Uh, the term in theology is called a transmetaphoric association. That's a big word. Say that with me. Transmetaphoric association. And say it one more time. Transmetaphoric association. You go out there and say that at work tomorrow, and they're going to think that, that you read Word of the Day and you are a genius. Amen. What transmetaphoric association means is, is that they are making a metaphor off of something that is one thing to try and translate it to, to be God or, or to relate it to God or God's ways or God's nature. In the Old Testament, for instance, uh, it talks about the eyes of God, uh, looks around and goes about on the earth looking to and fro uh, but we know in the old testament god didn't have eyes but to say that would be for us a transmetaphoric metaphoric association that it would in our little finite minds be able to comprehend that god is everywhere at the same time at because when i just said that god is everywhere at the same place at the same point in time with all power our minds start turning to mush right then. But if I say the eyes of God see everywhere, that's a whole lot more easy to relate to. When it would say the hand of God, the right hand of God, right hand always meant power or strength. It wasn't that God dipped a right arm out of the blue sky and flexed on everybody. It's not what it meant. It meant the power of God, the strength of God, the authority of God. It was to take something that is unknowable and unsearchable about our, our God who is infinite and who encompasses all. And to take that and say to our mind, we can relate to it by saying the right hand of God. Does that make sense? Amen. We got to keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is the power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave and is that same Spirit of God. God, a man that dwells in us when we receive the gift in the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the association, the metaphor is this, that when you read about a river in the word of God, it is relating to the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God. Amen. It is a type. It is a shadow. It is symbolism. It is Transmetaphoric association. Amen. It is trying to describe to you a way that is somewhat understandable about, about that water and about that river. Amen. And John, the revelator, wrote and said that this river flows from the throne of God and the Lamb. The feast of the tabernacle, uh, amen, is fulfilled when we read about this. And I know it sounds like uh, that I'm jumping over here, but if you hold on, I'm going to pull this all together. Uh, you see resurrection life flows from the throne resurrection life flows from the throne coming amen from the throne of God the throne of the lamb who was resurrected revelations 21 and 3 says John says I heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God everybody say a tabernacle now, I just told you about the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me bring this into understanding. Amen. The Feast of Tabernacles was how Israel celebrated that they were no longer in the wilderness anymore. They weren't living in tents. Now, I like to go camping, and I, don't, I like staying in a tent. My wife won't stay in a tent. 
She says, find me the Holiday Inn. I'm not going in a tent. Amen. I don't mind staying in a tent. Addie, don't mind staying in a tent. It's not my wife's thing. Can you imagine having to live in a tent for 40 years? And I'm not talking about glamping. I'm talking about camping. And I'm talking about scorpions and snakes. And, and they, they, didn't, they didn't camp up at Tahoe, Brother Chase. They weren't, they weren't camping at the KOA down there by, you know, out there on the Delta. They were in the middle of a burning hot desert. And they were camping. And so 40 years they had to wander throughout the desert because of their doubt that they had for God to be able to give them a homeland. And so they had to wander for 40 years camping throughout the sand and the hot sun and the wilderness and God providing water. And God, I mean, it just went on. Could you imagine living 40 years in a, in a tent that was, that was not conducive for families to live in, but they did for 40 years. As a matter of fact, not only did they have tents, but the tabernacle of God was also mobile. The tabernacle of God was also badger skins on the outside. It was beautiful on the inside, but wanderers and nomads would walk by it and look at that and wonder why these people thought it was such a holy place because it was so ugly and it was so, it was so strange and different. Here they were just wandering for 40 years, but the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated the fact that Israel had now gotten into their homeland and they would no longer be nomads in the desert anymore. They are now in the land that God promised them and, and remembered all the tabernacles that they dwelt in on their way to the new kingdom. You see, they were celebrating what had been and that was no longer present with them. They were now stepping into a new association. I don't have to get up in the morning and tear down my tent and put it on the back of a camel and walk 10 miles. Now God's given me a house that I didn't build. I'm eating from, I'm eating from gardens that I didn't plant. Amen. And that's what the Feast of the Tabernacle is all about. Amen. It's about the fact that God was now establishing a permanent place. Amen. And they were rejoicing about that. And this is what we read about in Revelations 21 and 3. Behold the Tabernacle of God. Now, all of a sudden, it goes from the Tabernacle of God being a place in Jerusalem to now the Tabernacle of God is mobile all of a sudden now. Now the Tabernacle tabernacle of God is not made with stone and wood, but the tabernacle of God is made with bone and flesh. Because now God in Romans 20, uh, Revelations 21 and 3 says uh, that he would dwell with them, they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now the next time you look in the mirror and you start feeling down about yourself because of what Vogue magazine says or what Instagram says you ought to look like, you ought to look in the mirror and say wow what a tabernacle for God to dwell in oh hallelujah hallelujah and so it is that somebody shout the tabernacle Amen. And so they were, now we're understanding now the tabernacle of thank God for this building and hopefully we're getting a new one. Amen. But, but you see this temple one day is going to get a new body. Amen. We're going to be transitioned from this life to the next. Amen. And we'll have a glorified permanent temple that'll never get old, never get sick. I said it'll never get old, it'll never get sick. 
Amen. You can do whatever you want to in this life, but this body's still going to get old. My wife laughs at me. I take about 25 or 30-something uh, vitamins every morning. I'm taking all, I, take, I take vitamins. I take so many vitamins, I, I can barely eat breakfast. I eat a lot. I take a lot of, uh, don't laugh at me, Brother Vincent. You're laughing at me. I take a lot of vitamins in the morning. I, and I, I drink vitamins in the morning. I, I try to, and it's not because I'm trying to avoid getting old. You, you can't avoid getting old. It's from the moment you popped out your mama's womb and started screaming, gravity started. Started working on you. All the, you may grow to six foot three, but by the if God lets you live to ninety, you're going to be blessed to be five nine. Because gravity is going to keep working on you. Enjoy, young people, enjoy being as strong as you are and as tall as you are and as good looking as you are. Because even the Bible said, all these things shall fade away and pass away. Amen. And so you can do what you want. You, you, there ain't enough vitamins. There is no fountain of youth. Amen. If there's a fountain of youth, amen, I'd be backsplashing in that thing. But there ain't no fountain of youth. Amen. I, I remember, y'all have heard me tell the story. Most of you had. I, we, several years ago, we walked into Macy's in Fairfield, and they had their, uh, they had their little, what, that little section where they do all the, the beauty stuff and walked in, and, and this, this young girl runs up to me, and she says, Sir, you need to try our anti-aging cream. And she said, It'll make you look 15 years. And I'm looking at her. Matter of fact, I'm kind of thinking, she does not have the obvious gene in her. I'm, I'm wearing boots. I'm wearing jeans. I'm walking in, and she and she this put it make you look 15 years younger. And I'm th and I, I couldn't help it. I just looked at her and I said, "Wow, that's amazing! 15 years younger." And she said, "Yeah." I said, "What would it do to my face if I was 14?" Guarantee you can put all the cream you want on it, Amen. But this body is going to go the way of the grave. It's going to go the way of the grave. I don't mean to be so encouraging this morning. Amen. It's going to go by the way of the grave. And you can do whatever you want to. You can do all the diets you want. You can do all the facelifts you want. You can do all the face drops you want. You can nip it, tuck it, dye it, fry it, suck it. It doesn't matter. Its body is going to go to the grave. The Bible said, from the dust of the earth did you come, and to the dust of the earth shall you return. But there's a difference. Everybody's going to go by the way of the grave except those who have tasted of the river of life. Those that have tasted of the river of life. Matter of fact, let's look at this. Amen. The Bible talks about a river, a kingdom river, a garden that begins to open, that begins to flow. The river of life is precisely what flowed in the beginning in the Garden of Eden because Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 10 says, And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. That means once it got out of the garden, it split into four different directions, amen. We receive everlasting life of the Spirit when we drink of the river of living water, amen. There are the sure mercies of God that are in the river of living water. There is resurrection life that is in the living water because a resurrected life is a life that cannot die again. Hallelujah. Genesis 29 and 10 said, and it came to pass. Now I want to talk about the river. Somebody shout the river. 
Amen. It came to pass that when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban and his mother's brother, that Jacob went near. Somebody shout, Jacob went near. Now watch this. And rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban and his mother's brother. You see, a stone had to be rolled away from the mouth of the well. Until the stone was rolled away, there was a life in the well, but nobody could get to what was behind the stone because a stone was blocking it. You see, there was, there was animals and people that needed life, but they couldn't get it because there was a stone that was holding it back. My Bible tells me in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number two, and behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Boy, I love that angel. He pushed the rock aside, he propped up on it and crossed his legs and leaned on his elbow. Amen. His countenance was like lightning. His raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where he laid. You see what Jacob did was Jacob had to move a stone so life could come out and give sustenance to animals and people. Oh, but when that angel, he pushed that stone aside, I want you to know the life and resurrection come up out of that tomb. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost now. When that rock was moved out of the way, the water began to flow to the animals. But when the stone was rolled away on the third day, the spirit, the river of living water, began to flow out of that empty grave. <laughs> Woo! The stone was rolled away and water flowed in Genesis. But the stone was rolled away and a different type of water flowed. Amen. In the book of Matthew. Because the water that flowed out of that tomb was not a water that you could touch. It was not a river that you could drink from with your natural mouth. Oh no. This was a different kind of water. It was a river of a living water. It was the river of resurrection. It was the river of life. I want you to know what you feel in this house this afternoon amen is more than just a feeling it's more than just a goosebump on the back of your neck it's more than a tingle up and down your spine it's a whole lot more than a tap to a fast beat amen but what you are feeling is the waters of river of life flowing through this place what you are feeling amen is the cool current of the supernatural as it washes through this house and says if there's any man that thirsts, let him come unto me. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And by drinking it, we obtain the sure mercies of David. It was the mercy of God that saved us from sin. He didn't have to save us from sin, but he did. Man sinned in the garden, but mercy moved him to return us to life and return us to the kingdom of God. And this mercy is an everlasting mercy. It's an everlasting mercy. He experienced the sure mercies of David in his resurrection. And his resurrection life is associated with the stone that was rolled away from the tomb. Just as the stone rolled away to show the resurrection life and how his resurrection caused him to ascend to the throne. Amen. When that stone was rolled away, if you would, that river was so powerful and so strong of the Spirit of God that it ascended Christ into the heaven upon that river. And the Bible read in your text and said, that from the throne of God and the Lamb flows a river of life. Jacob rolled away a stone in order to feed the flock, but Jesus moved the stone out of the way to give us life and life more abundantly. Jacob was a good enough shepherd to move the stone so his flock could have water. But my Bible tells me that Jesus is the good shepherd and the stone was moved away not so we could just get a drink every now and again, but so that we could have life and life more abundantly. Oh, the kingdom is already here. The river is already flowing. Revelations chapter 6, beginning at verse 16 says, They shall hunger no more. They shall hunger no more. They shall hunger no more. Boy, I wish that was in my body. They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst anymore. Neither shall the sunlight on them or any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I've come to tell you, Jesus is more than the shepherd, but he is the water himself. Jacob could only be the shepherd that gave access to the water, but Jesus is both the shepherd and the water. The kingdom is already here. The river is already flowing. And it doesn't matter who you are. All you need is thirst. Jesus encountered a woman who was, was on her sixth marriage. Been through some tough times. She was a home wrecker. She had been abused. Married five times, working on the sixth. And Jesus did not turn her away. For John 4 and 13 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, whoever drinketh of the water, of this water, whoever drinketh of this water, speaking of Jacob's well, it was the same well that Jacob 
It was the same well that two or 3,000 years earlier, Jacob got on his knees and pushed the stone out of the way so that water could flow out. And Jesus is standing there some two or 3,000 years later pointing at the same well, saying whoever drink of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. In other words, people have been coming here for thousands of years to get their thirst quenched. Oh, but I've got a thirst. I've got a water that'll quench a thirst. I've got a water that if you'll just take one drink of it, you'll never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up. You think it was a coincidence Jesus ended up near Samaria and Sychar at Jacob's well? Not even close. It was the design of God to meet with a woman that nobody in society wanted anything to do with. And he looked at her and said, you drink from here, you're going to get thirsty again. But honey, I got some water. There is a river that flows from the throne of God in the Lamb. Hallelujah. It's a river that'll never run dry. And it's a water that don't discriminate to whoever comes near its shores. All you need is thirst. It doesn't matter who your family is. Doesn't matter who your daddy was or your grandma was. It don't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what language you speak. There is only one prerequisite to getting the water. I'm thirsty. You see, in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 3, the prophet said, incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. You see, from this river springs forth life and mercies everlasting. You see, the kingdom is already here. We're not waiting on the kingdom to come. We're not waiting on the river to flow. It is already springing out. And it's for whosoever will. Let him come. Are you weary and heavy laden? Are you tired, depressed, frustrated, stressed, sick, burdened, discouraged, frustrated, bound, addicted? It's all right. There's a river. It's flowing right now. See, if you could close your eyes, you could hear the ripple as the water flows over the sure rocks of the mercies of David. And the water of God's grace swirls around your ankles. And if any man thirst, they will not be denied. See, in the Old Testament, 
when it was time to bring your offering for sin God required you bring your best no matter how poor you were it didn't matter how rich you were you brought your best your best acceptable animal whether it was a lamb, a ram a bullock a heifer whatever it was you were going to bring it had to be your best couldn't be sick couldn't be lame can't bring the one that's got digestive issues the one that's got a busted up hoof you couldn't bring that one you had to bring your best and that family would come once a year not to have their sins removed but only to have their sins pushed forward to the next year they would bring that animal ring in the nose of that bull and that heifer and it pull it and they'd bring it to the gate of the temple and there the priest would gather around the animal and the priest would say something to the effect of what have you brought to God for your sin the head of the family the man would lift his voice and he would say something to the effect I have brought to you that which is best that it's blood might cover the sins for me and my household then the priest would gather around that animal they would take their hand and they would comb back the hair to make sure there was no skin disease they would look in the ears to make sure there was no mites or worms they would look at their teeth they'd look at their hoofs and finally the priest would stand back and say it is acceptable unto God they would take that animal and then plunge a knife into its neck upon the brazen altar. Take the blood from that animal. Walk into the temple, into the mercy seat. Sprinkle that upon the mercy seat of God. There's, there's the steps that go in there. Then God would accept it. But I want you to notice what the priest did not do. The priest never examined the person who brought the sacrifice. For a murderer could bring a sacrifice for forgiveness. A liar, a cheat, a thief, it didn't matter who it was, they could bring it and not be disqualified. The same principle applies. God's not going to discriminate from who takes a drink from this river. All you need is a thirst. whether you've been coming here for years or this is your first time to come here, whether you've prayed for, been saved for 60 years and prayed prayers for six, or this is your first time to ever pray a prayer. Here in just a moment, we're going to stand in all God's. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He's not looking for all your ducks to be in a row right now. All he's looking for is, are, are, they, are they thirsty? Because if you're thirsty, I've got water that you thirst not neither come hither to draw would you stand with me this afternoon I feel the presence of God in this place the kingdom is already here the river is already flowing the old song says I got a river of life flowing out of me makes opens blinded eyes and sets the captive free. There's a river of life flowing in this place right now. I don't know what you have need of, 
But here's what I know. You have to come to the river. I have to come to the river. The water's there. The river's flowing. The invitation of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 17. If you close your eyes, you can still hear the words of Jesus say, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take up the water of life freely. Is your soul thirsty? Do you have need of something from God? Do you need a miracle in your life? See, this river is for sinner and saint alike. It's for whosoever will. In a moment, I'm going to open these altars, but I just want you to lift your hands right where you are right now. You can say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Preacher, I'm not into this religion stuff. I really don't even know how to pray. That's okay. You don't know. You don't need to know how to pray. All you need to know is how to say, "I'm thirsty." That's all you got to learn to say. Is God, I'm thirsty. God, I'm thirsty for this living water. I've tried it my way. I've done it my way. I've attempted it my way. I'm trying to do things of my own strength and my own accord. Oh, and that's all He's looking for is somebody that says, "Take me to the river to get something to drink." Oh, show me where that river of living water is. That untainted, unpolluted, undefiled water that flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Hallelujah. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that is a thirst come and drink of the river of life freely. I want to open these altars for somebody who is willing to make their way to the river who is willing to come to this. I know we don't got a lot of room in this altar, but if there's somebody that wants to come down to the river and drink, amen, you don't even need to know the words to say. You don't even have to have some formalized prayer, some memorized recitation of, of some type of prayer. All you got to say is, God, I'm thirsty. God, I'm thirsty. See, the kingdom is already here. His spirit is already flowing in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.